0: Football
1: Frenzy.
0: The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company.
2: Here we go, 3 o'clock hour. Willie Ramirez is here. Here is Twin Peaks on Eastern. Let's do it. Boy, it's funny how quickly football seasons can change. We're going to talk about the Rebels and Doug Brumfield and his injury issues day to day might be a concussion and you got to see rebel fans on social media flipping out it's pretty interesting look at the dolphins it was a couple of weeks ago where people were like wow the dolphins offense is for real this could be a really good team Tua goes down bridgewater runs into bad luck yesterday he goes down can't pass the new Protocol qualifications, which, frankly, have been put in place because we think the Dolphins screwed up with Tua. So it gets them twice, but that's how quickly things can change. So when we start talking about what's going to happen the rest of the season in college football and the NFL, stop. All right? Stop. Now, I don't want, like, all conversation to be stymied because we could every every conversation could, could go in the direction of, well, what, what if so-and-so gets hurt? But just keep in mind, when you start tracking the rest of the season and you're like... I only see two more losses the entire – like, stop. It's stupid. It's a physical sport. Guys go down all the time. And now the Dolphins' season has completely changed. I think Bridgewater will be back in the short term if Tua can't come back. But yesterday was a total disaster for the Dolphins. They fell apart mentally and got the ball slammed down their throats. Jets 40-17, to seriously?
1: Well, I mean (laughs) – it, it's, a, it's a whirlwind of a change when, when that happens, right? I mean, it's one thing you, you're adjusting with your backup. Bridgewater's got some starting experience. But as you mentioned, when that happens, and then you got to whip a rookie in, Skyler Thompson.
2: The viewer told me at the East-West Shrine game here in town, when I was standing in front of Skyler Thompson interviewing him, that he would be starting in Week 5 in the NFL? Against your Jets. Right, against the Jets. I would have been like, okay, I'll take that. Well, but, I, but I would have said, there's no freaking way. I don't even know if he's going to be on a team. <laughs> not only is he on a team, but, you know, he he falls into good luck for him, very bad luck for the team with Bridgewater going down early in the game and two out for who knows how long.
1: Well, and let's not forget Tyreek Hill. He leaves MetLife Stadium wearing a yep. walking boot. Yep. So um, left tackle, Tyrone Armstead, left the game with a toe injury. So that team has completely – Completely. I mean the complexion of its offensive side of the ball is is completely changed from the first few weeks. And then there's the Cardinals.
2: And then there's the Cardinals. <laughs> what a freaking season they've had. They shouldn't have won the Raiders game, but they did. Playground ball. Kyler Murray's awesome at it. And then yesterday people expect them to get slammed at home big eagles group of faithful or big group of eagles faithful there cardinals get off to a a crap start they fight back into the game and then here's some of the stuff that happened at the end with a chance to potentially score a go-ahead touchdown certainly put themselves in position for a field goal murray is going to run them into position slap out if it's at a first down but they give him that when he gave himself up, and they're going to mark it a little bit short, so he, you spike it. Oh, now, now you have, have to kick. It's up there. It's out there. Unreal. And it's no good in the direction he had trouble with
3: before the game.
2: You could hear the TV color voice was so pissed off. Yeah. He's like, unreal. The mismanagement down the stretch by Kyler Murray and company. And a lot of that has to go on, Cliff Kingsbury, too. Yeah, because nowadays Unreal. you can talk to them, right? You can you can speak in their ear. Well, you also everyone's got to be prepared ahead of for time. those two minute drills. Yes. Right. I mean, it, Kyler Murray's been in the NFL too long, Kingsbury's been around too long. That was
1: textbook how to f it up. Well, this is, and to be honest with you, let's 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 be real, Steve. That's not a that's not an NFL thing. That's just an, a football IQ thing, right? You slid before the sticks and then you you i mean i will say college this or nfl or high school it, it, third down at that situation you don't spike the ball did you watch the slide yes the new rule and this is all because kenny pickett
2: wanted to you know was shacked in a fool last year remember kenny pickett faked the slide yeah i mean I good move at the time because hey the rules are poorly written he faked the slide gained whatever it was another 20 or 30 yards and both the NFL and college football put in a rule. When the slide is initiated, that's the end of the play. That, that slide by Kyler Murray was so freaking close to the line. By the way, I know this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it for people who don't know. Kyler Murray sliding is a thing of beauty. Why? played baseball. He was the 12th pick in the Major League Baseball draft. He knows how to slide. He did one of those slides where it was, it was a pop-up slide. Yeah. And anyone who's played baseball or even you know softball, if you were decent at sliding, he did a pop-up slide. He did it so quickly that I went back and watched a couple times because I'm like, man, I thought he was like right at the line. Yeah. But now they're they're so precise on it. I was hoping they got it wrong, but they actually got it right. Um. So he slides a little bit short, but then the problem is when you get up and you, Willie, when you've got all that time left, and I know there's no timeouts, right. but you got to try one more play.
1: Yeah. You got to try one more play, and you got to get closer for the field goal. Why not when you're in a rush like that and you got the egos coming? I mean, just you. It, Listen, if you spike it, you're gonna lose what? Half a yard, yard? I mean, just go ahead and just, just snap it and punch it forward. Try to plunge forward. Hold on to the ball for dear life and just plunge forward. If that's what you gotta mean. If you can't plan a play, if you can't call something, or like you said, they should already know in that situation, here's what you here's what we're gonna do, but at least try to make the first down because you're spiking it in order to get the kicking, but uh whatever. Because it's, a, I mean, there's a minute twenty-two. So if you plunge forward, and the clock keeps running, you still have time to get your kicking field or kicking team on the field. Are we missing the mark on all of this? Which is well, that Kingsbury
2: didn't talk in his ear until no. you. If you're the quarterback, and you've brought the ball to the twenty-five yard line with twenty-two seconds left and no timeouts on third down, is it right for Kyler Murray to think, you know what, we're here? Like, are we giving the kicker? too much of a, a pass it's a 42 freaking yarder dude come on
1: oh well yeah i mean but we haven't gotten to that point yet this so wasn't like no. like
2: i'll back i will back anyone who says don't play for a field goal when it's 49 53 you know freaking 64 like hack it right it's a 42 yarder if your team doesn't have a kicker who can make a freaking 42 yarder that's on me the quarterback are we bearing the lead and then look we'll just you know kind of fitting the narrative to well kyler murray doesn't play smart football Playing video games, didn't know the end of the game situation. It's forty-two yards, because I, I'm kind of channeling right now myself, or maybe a little bit of Kyler Murray through me, because that that might be my, that might be my attitude. Like I'd be annoyed at myself for sliding a half yard early, but I'd also be pissed. Like, wait, I'm taking Guff because we don't have a kicker who can make a forty-two yarder. Really, Cliff? Really, Steve Kime? Let's get it
1: together. It's Twin Peaks here on a Monday. Big beers under four bucks. I wasn't ignoring you, but... I know, I know. I'm looking... Uh, I'm looking I, I googled his name. And, I figured I could... The first thing that came up was Matt Amendola. Yeah, and Amendola's brother. A, a
2: bunch... I made it up. He's got two M's in the name.
1: A bunch of missed field goals.
2: <laughs> well, he's the second team this year. Uh, $4 shots. There's 19 of them. rumplements and Goldschlager. Right at the top of my list. Also, uh, Dana White's Howlerhead. They've got that. And every day, every day, $5 margaritas... Got great Saturday and Sunday specials, but we're all about tonight. Monday Night Football is on the way. Willie Ramirez is hosting the party, and did I mention the big beers? My favorites, uh, big beers under four bucks is three seventy-five for Miller Lite
0: or Coors Light at Twin Peaks. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G Ramirez, or tweet the show at Colefield and Co.
2: from the gun, looks in that direct, fires deep down the right side, caught by Aguilar at the 20, 10, 5, into the end zone. Nelson Aguilar with a beautiful catch and run as Derek Carr brings the Raiders right back into the thick of things. That's a way to do it.
0: Now, back to Colefield and Company, live at Twin Peaks
2: get into some NFL football, we've been talking about it all show long. Raiders and the Chiefs on the way. Former NFL player, former Aztec as well, Akbar Ajami Biamila is with Cofield and Company. How are you, sir? I'm doing
3: good. How
2: you guys doing? We're good. We're good. We're ready for a uh, good game tonight. We hope the Raiders are going to be more than competitive this evening. But I-, I wanted to get you in on a convo we were just having. We were getting on Kyler Murray a little bit for game management at the game at the end of the game yesterday. I'm not sure if you saw it, where they missed a field goal to tie it up. There was a slide and a spike. Uh, did you see the scenario unfold at the end of the game?
3: No, I did, I, I did not. I missed that scenario. I did not see that.
2: So here's how it played out. Kyler Murray, with less than 40 seconds left, gets him down to the 26. It's 20 to 17. He slides. He slides like a half yard short of the first down. He gets up. And spikes the ball with 22 seconds left. The kicker goes out there and misses a 42-yarder. And I was saying, you know, we're getting on Kyler Murray about the slide and spiking the ball. But at some point, when you look around the locker room, you're like, our kicker just has to make a 42-yarder. Like, I don't I don't know that we always have to blame the quarterback
3: <laughs> for end-of-game situations. Like, make the kick! Well, well you know what? I, I think it's an old biblical uh, uh, terminology to who much – or saying to who much is given, much is required. When you're the star quarterback and you get all the attention, you get all the money, everybody wants to, you know, put the the blame and the pressure, hey, why don't you just kinda march it in and throw it in and this is what you get paid the big bucks for. But to your point, I've always had this personal issue, like, you know, when we're out there practicing as a former player, I remember we're out there hitting it done and then, you know, you got the kickers and the punters who are off to the side and they're joking and they're dipping and, you know, having fun and and then they come in for, you know, a little portion of the practice, and you get a little bit envious of them. You go, man, they must be living the good life. But you know what? The way we kind of rectify it or the way we kind of justify it in our mind is, but you know what? They have high-pressure situations like they have to perform on. So you let them go, and that's why they started to come up with you saying, like, hey, kickers are people, too, and all this other kind of stuff. Well, if you want to be the man, you know, when, when it counts, got to make those so i agree that you know 42 yards you got to make 35 yards the only time you get like kind of like oh you tried your best is 50 plus i go 50 actually i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 52 plus 52 plus you get to go you know you tried your best if you missed it before uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of an interview uh, thanks man i appreciate it And this guy he, he's still right in the middle of the interview if he watches the nfl nfl network thank you so much um, and he's a big fan of it, but you know what? That's awesome. I think he's also a Raiders fan because you've got Raider gear all over.
2: <laughs> he, he he knew you were out in Las over. Vegas. He he had the <laughs> he, had, he had the feeling going. Uh, all right, well let's let's turn our attention to the Raiders. And this has been a you know lopsided rivalry. They got the job done a couple of years ago when they went to Kansas City and won forty to thirty two. Let's start out with what are you seeing so far this year from the Raiders in this one and three start?
3: Oh, boy, it's, it's been a slow start. You know, I always try to keep it a buck with you guys. Um, you know, I, I, I thought about myself, like, what, what do you say in this scenario? First off, you know, I'm a diehard. I go all the way back from as a kid, you know, being a Los Angeles Raiders fan and watching them, you know, as kids at the Coliseum. Like, that's where I first got to know football. But, you know, I, I fast forward this conversation into coaching. You know, like, there was a lot of hype about Josh McDaniels coming in and um, – gosh, I want to see all the pieces. I want to see him getting the pieces together. And there's a little bit of great period where you give a coach to make things work, but not when you got car who, who looked impressive last year. And we thought like, man, like we're getting that car that everybody wanted to, you know, to see that we dream of that you pay the big bucks for. You want to see that. But so far, man, I just haven't seen that chemistry. Um, and it's a little disheartening, but doesn't mean that we can't bounce back, you know, like, it's a long season. It's a long season, but I think when you have an Adams and a car connection, especially the chemistry that they've had prior to, you want to see those things work. And so many people, and this is, this is kind of a prime example. um, When, when, you know, when you pick a coach, when you, you, you pick a, you know, somebody to lead the team, why, you know, not only the strategy, not only the philosophy, all that stuff matters because it can change in a heartbeat. And, you know, I, I think about the, you know, last year, you know, last year, the Raiders were seven and two in games when it was decided by eight points or less. And so far this season, they're 0-3. And I mean, that comes down to execution. I mean, they got the personnel. Nobody can tell me that they don't have the personnel. You look at it on paper, anything. Like I'd tell you, the Raiders are stacked against any team in the league, period. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's
1: well, and when you look at the complexion of the season, and you mentioned the three losses, I mean, they lost by five, they lost by six, they lost by two. They easily could have won those games. They find their yep. offense against a team where the only thing going right for them is the defense, and they throw a thirty-two spot up, and it's a lot of it you can credit the the Josh Jacobs with uh, Josh McDaniels finally sort of coming with full circle game. with his with, with his play calling. Um, if there yep. was ever a game where we're going to see. The entire offense come full circle where you get balance, you get a a healthy dose of Devontae, you see Josh Jacobs and maybe a couple other running backs. Hunter Hunter Renfro is back healthy. It's on prime time in your rival stadium in somewhat of a must-win situation. I've been one that's been saying all day, I did a couple of guest spots nationally, that I don't know if Kansas City is that much of a shoe-in to blow this team out.
3: No, 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 no. And I think people are going to look back and they're going to go, you know, you know, last year, the Raiders, you know, the Chiefs blew out the Raiders both times. You know, I don't know. You can put those things, it was like 89-23. to 23. It was a blowout. But, you know, that was last year. I think this year, I think that, you know, again, we talked about the roster being stacked. Their roster is stacked. And, you know, this is a Chiefs team, too, who, you know, doesn't have Tyreek Hill. You know, Tyreek Hill was a big issue for, for a lot of teams, and he continues to be that big issue. I believe that the Raiders can come in in this game, and I think they can win. I really do think... Well, I don't know how many people are calling it, but I'm calling the upset against the, the Chiefs. Um, and this is not Akbar, the former Raider talking. or Akbar, the fan. I really do believe they have what it takes. Um, they're going to have to make sure they stop that, that, uh, that defense that defense for the Chiefs as well.
2: You know, I was asking you earlier about one of the games yesterday, and, and, and uh, I don't blame you for missing some details. You are a busy man. You are a very busy man. The, how do you like doing the talk?
3: I love it. You, you, you know, I, I love it. It's um, it's different. Um, I, I get the chance to show and reflect a different side of me and have conversations that I think are very, very relatable, whereas, you know, my expertise and my experience in the NFL is only relatable to the very, very few people who've been able to, you know, play in, in the league. Um, then there's, the you know, the fandom part, too. You can speak to the fans, but, you know, not everybody watches, uh the the nfl though it's a large audience um but i think there's a lot of you know conversations that i've always wanted to have especially when it comes into relationships or when it comes to politics or when it comes to entertainment stuff where you know you're able to lend your voice and you know this is special because last year was my first year you know being on the talk show the talk and this is the first time they've ever had men add their voice to the conversation so myself and jerry o'connell um, we get the chance to chime in on some of these conversations that's been for so many years exclusively women. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I think guys like uh, Michael Strahan, who kind of led the way for, for guys like myself. Even before Strahan, there was Tiki Barber, who, you know, who kind of broke through and really showed and highlighted, you know, NFL athletes um, as more than just athletes.
2: Cofield and company. Talking to Akbar uh, Biamila. That show, in a way, though, is like walking on a tightrope. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to freak out. You've been doing it a long time. But I, I do find – I mean, the whole politics thing now in an election year is very interesting. I, I also yeah. wanted your – I wanted your input on, on football broadcasting and the fact that we have guys come right off the field and go right into it. And within, like, three weeks, people make their judgment on someone. Like, I, I saw early on on Amazon – the uh, broadcast with uh, Richard Sherman, and people were getting on Richard Sherman yep. a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, he's going to be okay. And then he emerged as a megastar this last week by freaking out on TV. I, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to go right from the playing field and get all the nuances of broadcasting, especially on a live set after a game.
3: Yeah, you know, you, you bring up a really good point. It is a new muscle. You know, sometimes you're worried about, like, what camera am I talking to? You've got to, you know, realize the IFB it's in your ear and someone's talking to you, giving you instructions. And for McKenna, I like him for Richard Sherman. I think he is made for TV because he's always had this, this big personality. I think once he settles into kind of finding his voice and his face, because there's also, too, the way to articulate football. Like if he and I were talking football, it'd be a lot different than what he's going to kind of project on TV. And some people have it right away, like Tony Romo. I think, you know, Tony Romo just broke the mold for so many guys in color commentating because when I listen to him, it's like he's, he's watching it, you know, watching the game in the film room and just talking to the other quarterbacks in the room. And he's just, oh, watch this. this is going to happen, you know. And I think Sherm has got his version of that. And so I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be well. I've watched him a couple of times and I know people are, they're so harsh. Like they want you to be like super polished, but there's a way that we communicate you know, football and talk about our passion in a way that you can't produce. You just got to let it mature. You know what I mean? It's like wine. You just got to let it mature. And I bet you Richard Sherman, if he wants to, he'll be doing this for a very long time.
2: Did you see what happened with San Diego State on Saturday? They almost lose to Hawaii. I think your program season may have been saved by one of your safeties. It was nuts. They switched to safety at the beginning of last week because all the quarterbacks were down. And this kid, uh, Jalen Maiden, comes in there and throws for more yards in one game than the Aztecs had the entire season.
3: Yeah, I tell you, I was there for the opening game, and I- I'm telling you right now, you know, it was a little rough, you know, again, going up against Arizona in that first first game. You know, they had a whole new roster than they had last year. You know, that's a whole nother conversation about the portal, uh, whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> you know, being able to go up against a whole new team than you did with last year, but San Diego State has really, really, you know, under Brady Oak again for the second time around. The one thing I know about my Aztecs, they don't ever give up. And I was a little scared. I was Man, we can't lose to no Hawaii. That's a year that we've got the brand new stadium. Like, come on. Uh so I was on the edge of, of my feed watching that on Saturday. Um, shout out to my boy too, by the way, Kirk Morrison, who's uh, you know, who also played for the Raiders as well throughout the sphere and they he, they brought his throwback jersey out that game, and uh, it was cool. So, Especially now that my boy Kirk Morrison at the game. They had to win that one.
2: There you go. The pressure was on. All right, pick for tonight's game, Raiders-Chiefs.
3: Oh, oh yeah, for sure. The Raiders are going to win this one, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's going to look a little scary up front in the first quarter. I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, my goodness, I couldn't believe it, and then boom, Jacob, Devontae Adams, all of a sudden, they're going to go off in the second quarter, all right? It's going to be late in the second quarter. They're going to go off, and then we're going to go out, come into out of halftime. We're going to end up winning the game by eight points. I know I'm not into betting. I don't know lines and all this other stuff, but I'm telling you, we're going to end up winning it by eight points.
2: Hey, before you close, tell us about your book.
3: Yeah, uh, everyone can be a ninja. You know, I've been hosting American Ninja Warrior for now 10 years, going into my 11th year, uh, which has been such an honor uh, Everyone Can Be a Ninja is a book about overcoming obstacles. I talk about the obstacles that I've overcome in life, uh, in broadcasting, like we were just talking about as well, but also, too, I tell some of the stories of some of my friends and other ninjas, like Allison Felix, um, of course, the most decorated Olympic athlete, you know, for the U.S., um, and then some of the other ninjas and how they've overcome obstacles. So it's the underdog path to success. So yeah, you can go get it at uh, Amazon. You can go to Barnes & Noble, pick it up. Um, It's a good read. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Chips and queso or
0: mozzarella bites for just 4 bucks. $5 Modellos, and plenty of other great food and drink specials. Twin Peaks in Henderson is your spot for Monday Night Football with Cofield and Company.
3: First down and four still going. Ramondre Stevenson finally caught from behind. Here's Stevenson. Nice move. Another one. Finally down inside the 25 as Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson first down and more. And Elliott finally forces him out of bounds.
0: Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company.
2: Big day for hometown hero Ramondre Stevenson. Surprising result, 29-0. Patriots take out the Lions, and Stevenson goes for 175 yards combined. And it seemed like every run was going for 15 and 20 yards, and he had one that was just under 50 yards. So, Matt Rule fired today, first NFL coach fired this season. We'll talk to uh, one of the dudes in the Carolinas that we lean on for a little Panthers talk. That's coming up in about 15. Rebels on Friday night. UNLV football off to a good start, best since 2003. Out of the gates at four and one. I knew the San Jose State team was talented, but my lord, the defense is really good. And you know, we told you last week they have been building this thing for five years, and a lot of these guys are back as super seniors. So their back end is good. They've got a great linebacker in Kyle Harmon up on the front line. They've got two NFL players in Fajoco and Hall. They gave the Rebels all sorts of trouble, especially running the ball. Aiden Robbins popped off a 27-yarder early. Really didn't do much after that. And then, you know, a lot of the game hinged on the fact that Doug Brumfield got knocked out early in the second quarter. I think he got hurt in the first. We don't know what the injury is. It may be a concussion. Right now he's not listed on the depth chart. And then Arroyo followed it up by saying he's day-to-day. He said it was an ankle injury and a head injury. When we asked today for specifics, he said it looked like he hit his head on a tackle. He didn't exactly say that he got spiked to the ground. Um, I pointed out that early in the game, one of the defensive players for San Jose State kind of belly flopped on him after he was down and pushed his head to the ground. I didn't think that was that hard a shot, but who knows. He came up limping a little later. And I want to watch... Real closely, a replay, Willie, again, Mm -hmm. of the game. I thought, and I told you last week, Mm -hmm. I think San Jose State walks the line. So I'm not saying that their shot on Brumfield was dirty, but I want to watch it a couple more times to make a call on it. But what it does now is it throws the next couple of weeks into flux, into doubt, and they're two of the biggest games on the schedule, Air Force here and at Notre Dame. And I'm seeing all this speculation from the game. Rebel fans are really interesting. They're more engaged now than ever. You know, they didn't really have a reason in the last couple of years because the Rebels weren't winning games. Wins start to bring back the fans, but there's so much scar tissue. You know, we talked about the players having scar tissue. There's so much scar tissue with the fans, Willie, that a lot of them start speculating today, and I, I retweeted one of the questions from a, a Jason that's a listener and I'm friends with, and he was saying, you know, make sure you you know, just sit out, Brumfield, the next two games, because really it's the games after that that are most important. And – I get the feeling sometimes that Rebel fans are like, can't win against uh, Air Force, not going to beat Notre Dame, don't bring back Brumfield. I'm not saying rush him back, but he was ready to go against Notre Dame. Then he plays against Notre Dame. They're like All of a sudden, I think the mentality is they're at four wins, just make sure they get the next two, and the goal was being bowl eligible. Now, the goal can be winning seven or eight games. The goal could be getting by San Jose State in the division and still winning the division. Yeah, they have the tiebreaker in hand. I mean, if. The follow up from that was like San Jose State's not gonna lose another game this year. Like what wait what just happened? I like San Jose State too. I thought they were impressive. Now they're going
1: unbeaten down the stretch. Folks, have some optimism. When did when exactly did Cam Friel take over last year?
2: I'd have to look at it probably in game three. I mean he got like six games in.
1: He didn't play against Air Force. Justin Rogers did. Number one. Number two Yeah, Rogers did. Number two, yeah. Air Force just lost to Utah State, yep. which UNLV pummeled. Yep. They're now coming back here. If Listen, I've been asked to tell me, oh, same old Rebels, here we go. You know, yeah, 4-1, it's a farce. I, I've been hearing that. Well, if you watch the game, for the, for the first part of it, I mean, everything that could possibly have gone right for San Jose State went right. Everything that could have possibly went wrong, it's 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 sort of like one of those football things where, I mean, everything lined up perfectly. If you did, if you replayed just that first part of the game, even the first half, ten times, no shot. It's as dominating for the Spartans as we saw it. The Rebels are going to regroup. I'm not saying that they're gonna. I'm not saying it's guaranteed that they're gonna win, but they're not. It's not gonna be what people are thinking. And the fact that Utah State just, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it at Air Force? They just went in and beat Air Force. Or was it the Utah State? Yeah. It was Utah State? It was Logan? Yeah. Okay. Even still, nobody thought that that was going to happen. The, com-
2: the conference is just about dead even the West is. Like, I even had someone say, wait, they're going to – you know—he's going to lose to Hawaii or Nevada? Yeah. They could. I Man, I think they should beat them, but they could. Hawaii took San Diego State to the brink on Saturday. So everyone – Let's find out what the injury is. Friel is a good backup. He threw a couple of passes that I thought were ill-advised. But beyond that, he was very efficient. He's a good backup quarterback. I think he'll win the battle this week, just so you know. Willie on the depth chart was listed as Cam Friel or Harrison Bailey, which is going to be another – that's another firestorm coming because if Friel doesn't play well, like, say, in the first quarter, because I already saw it in the game on Saturday, I'm getting tweets about – what Bailey's high school ranking was, as you know, in terms of recruiting, and I try to tell people, you know, teams base this on practice.
1: Yeah,
2: they see the guys every day. So if Bailey had beaten out Friel and beaten out Brumfield,
1: you would be playing Bailey. And to this point, Friel won back the number two job. I think so. I mean, I think, and, and <laughs> I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not. If Brumfield has to be held out, if if he if he's going to be out, then he's out. You're right. If he's got to come back, bring him back. If he's healthy and he can play, then you want your best choice in there. You don't it, – it, it's almost like saving your starter, right? You can't say – got to go for the win. got to yeah. go for it now.
2: Oh, I think people just – they look at games and they're like, not winnable, not winnable. The games are winnable. They're all winnable. I, I think they're winnable with Cam Freel. I think Cam Freel could go into Notre Dame if they play a good game defensively and they – you know, Robbins gets going again. And the other one is you know, Kyle Williams is going to be back at some point. Yeah, Weimer, we'll see. There's still a lot of upside. And a 40-7 loss, I know it stings, but you don't have to give up on the season. You don't have to just kind of picking and choosing the few wins left that you believe they can get. They can win a lot of games.
0: Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at LVRJ, or tweet the show at Co. That is not a surprise to me. I actually wondered whether Matt Rule would get fired this week or not. The team's awful. They're lifeless. They're totally uninteresting. 11-27 and 27 in his three years. He leaves Carolina with four years left on a seven-year contract. So he did him two favors. One, he can go get the highest-profile college job he wants. And two, he walks away with a whole lot of money. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company.
2: Very mopey greeny. That actually sounded like a happy story at the end of me, that uh, Matt Rule gets a ton of money and gets to make even more money. Yeah, Matt Rule sucks because I don't think he ever really got a chance, but maybe Heath Klein from the game in South Carolina will tell us that Matt Rule got every chance and blew every one of them, but he's gone. Heats up with Cofield and Company. How are you, sir?
0: Hey,
2: Steve, how you doing, man? I'm good. You're very chipper. You're very chipper. Coach got fired. Let's be melancholy.
0: Uh, you know, it, honestly, this this might restore at least some energy, uh, a little bit, because uh, <laughs> it has been a sleeping pill for the uh, last two years with regards yeah. to this team. So anything that gets people talking again, even if it's the quest for the first pick, I'm I'm all for it.
2: So tell me I'm a moron if I say, hey, I don't think Matt Rule really got a fair chance because he never had a quarterback.
0: You're half right. It's true that he didn't have a quarterback, but it's also true that he didn't give himself the best chance. You're talking about a guy who came into the league with one year of experience as an assistant coach with the Giants, who then hired a coordinator in Joe Brady, who'd never been an OC in the league, and who had basically been you know, a behind the scenes guy with the Saints, certainly wasn't a high profile like a quarterback coach or something. Hired a defensive coordinator who was a buddy of his he brought with him from Baylor, who again, had coached in the league briefly, but not in years. You know, he didn't give himself the best staff to give himself a chance to succeed and we heard a lot about this idea that he was going to bring a successful culture well it's hard to me to have a culture without winning and and they didn't do everything they could to win he got some raw deals there's no question 2020 having his first year be in the middle of that mess and 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 questions with cam and, and what his situation was he had some bad breaks but he also didn't give himself the best chance either is tepper going to be a good owner if you define a good owner as one who'll spend money, then, yeah, he's yes. at least good for that. But <laughs> yes, uh, the yes. trouble is he, he wants to win business deals. And, Steve, this is a perfect example. Look, Baker Mayfield has been terrible. Okay, no debating. It's been absolutely terrible. Had they brought Baker Mayfield in earlier, maybe they could have figured out that he was terrible earlier. Maybe he would be less terrible if he got more time to work out with receivers, to go over things with his coordinator. But Tepper is one of these dudes that has to win every deal because he's a business guy, big-shot big, big shot business stock guy. And so they were saying, in effect, we'll wait two months when the Browns get desperate and, and they'll take on more money. We'll wait that long to get this guy, even though we want to be our starting quarterback, because we're going to win this deal. Well, great, you won the deal, but your team stinks. And part of it is because you don't have a quarterback that was properly prepared. So that that's the kind of stuff. I don't know that people out in Vegas realize it, Steve, but... Uh, he he basically completely screwed over the state of South Carolina over a business deal. Or they were trying to build their own version of the Cowboys star in, in Rock Hill near Charlotte, and he walked completely out on that deal, alienated a bunch of people. I mean, he wants to win business deals, and that's not always the way you win football.
1: So, I mean, I know it's only five games in, but, it, I mean, it seems like writing on the wall, throwing in the talus. Is Christian McCaffrey going to be on the trading block?
0: I think there's a very real possibility that a number of guys could be on the trading block just because if you look at what they've done, they only have four draft picks next year. Now they've got first and second, but they have dealt away. They only have nine picks total for the next two drafts. So uh, Now they sure not give Christian McCaffrey away, but, I mean, honestly, if there's somebody out there who's convinced, one, he'll stay healthy, and two, he's a difference maker for him. He's a dynamic guy that would would elevate them from maybe a good offense to a great one or something. I mean, they they'd be crazy not to at least talk to somebody about it because they've got salary issues for next year too. And and this team just needs draft picks. They don't have enough talent.
2: We're talking about Matt Rule going bye bye, eleven and twenty seven in his run with the Carolina Panthers. And while people in Vegas and around the country are like, "Who cares?" It's Carolina Panthers. You should care because, like we just said, the owner is the richest owner in football. David Tepper's got a ton of money. For this next hire, is he big splash guy? Does he try to go out and you know steal a bunch of headlines and, and get someone with
0: a big name? Well, that's the part that's interesting. Is yeah, you know, if you remember, Steve, everybody thought the Giants were going to get Rule and Tepper. It feels like part of the reason Tepper hired Rule that he fell so hard for Rule to to make him this seven-year contract offer was because he was kind of saying ha 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 how you like me i i took this guy out from under your nose giants fans that you wanted so does he go for something like that again does he go for the splash or is he willing to uh, say you know what i need to focus on somebody who's not going to be exciting at the press conference but who fits what we need uh and look we don't know about scott bitterer there's only been the gm for like a year and a half so he hasn't a lot of time to really show what he's about but uh is he going to be involved in hiring the coach he was not involved in rule that was marty who was back then, and I kid you not, Steve, uh, literally there was talk that, that basically Marty Herney his main involvement in that was that he ate a zillion meatballs at Matt Rule's house. Like He told that story about how many meatballs he ate, uh, yeah. but, but he didn't like... He was not involved in, in shaping that. That was a Tepper thing 100%. So will Fitterer or some other voice be the football exec on this? That's the part we don't know yet, and, and that could be really important because uh, like, a guy like Dan Quinn... He could make a lot of sense for the Panthers as someone who's shown he could hire a decent offensive mind in Shanahan, and who's doing some good things with the Cowboys. Has some experience, knows the division, but you're going to need to know what you're looking for. And I don't know if we've seen evidence that Tepper yet knows what he's looking for. Am
2: I crazy to think that Steve Wilkes, you know, goes? Uh, what are we talking about left here? We got 13 games left. Steve Steve Wilkes goes like eight and five. Uh, would he be considered for the job? Because he's another guy who didn't exactly get a fair chance first go round.
0: Now he got screwed in, in in the Cardinals' job. There's no question. But I, I, Steve, to be honest, if he could win eight, they should hire him on the spot because right. this team—it's just not good enough at all. I mean, they're going to have PJ Walker at quarterback the next couple of weeks while Mayfield tries to recover. Darnold's not ready. I mean, if you. If you look at what they've got, they've got the Rams, they've got the Bucks, they've got the, the Bengals. I mean, they've got recent Super Bowl teams all over these next few weeks in the schedule. The last four or five weeks are manageable, but by then, I, I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of interest in what they're doing in December in that locker room other than dudes trying to get tape for, for their next job. So if he could do something like that, they should hire him on the spot, but I don't see any scenario he can.
2: not He Kline has witnessed a game in South Carolina. I mean, you actually – you almost have, if Wilkes was winning, you'd almost have like a Steve Ross 2 situation, alleged situation, you know, where Tepper would be like, dude, stop winning, okay? We need we need picks. Um, how You just said they pissed off South Carolina with the Rock Hill thing. What if they offered Dabo Sweeney 15 mil a year?
0: I mean, that, that would be – Let's go. I don't know if Dabo would take it. I, it would be craziness because you'd be going back to the college, Will, and you'd basically be saying – well, we didn't get the culture thing right last time, but this time we're going to get the culture thing right, <laughs> right with a different right. dude. That I, I that would just be madness. I can't imagine them going down that well with anybody. And, and yeah, I mean, honestly, there'd be more angry Clemson fans. Clemson fans have a bug up their ear about the Panthers because they're mad that they won't draft, car- won't draft players from Clemson, which is nonsense. But they just haven't done it. So, like, they wanted them to take Isaiah Simmons, for example. They didn't do it. So they, they already hate the Panthers on some parts of the Clemson fan base. Come for their coach, yeah, you, you'd be really hurting yourself as much as anything.
2: That all said, I truly believe guys like Nick Saban and Dabo, whether I like them or not, are probably closer to being worth like 25 mil a year than the seen I mean, they make a lot of money now. They're making 11 and 12, but they might be worth double. So uh, correct the market, right? I'm sticking up for these guys who are making a ton of money. All right, money-wise, rule on this $40 million, $42 million. He gets a job next year at a Power 5 program. How much of the money does he have to forfeit from Tepper?
0: Apparently it's all offset. So he's going to make the money regardless of what he does. And what I don't know is what kind of provisions might the Panthers have in there to protect themselves, to keep rule from telling Nebraska, say, yeah, I'll coach you for half a million bucks a year. And, you know, we'll, we'll spend the rest of the money on my assistants. I assume they have some sort of market value clause in there of some kind, but... Uh, but, but whatever he makes, it will come off of them as offset unless he makes less than what they're supposed to pay him. So, And then, look, I, you know, this is all tip money for Tepper anyway. The dude's worth $15 billion, so I so doubt amazing. he's going to obsess about it too much. I mean, this this is basically just a, a rounding error for that guy. But, yeah, Rule, Rule will give some money back if he takes a job.
2: Uh, odds are up for Matt Rule's next job in faraway places – What's the best job? Nebraska, potentially Auburn, Wisconsin, Arizona State, Colorado, Stanford. I'm not even going to read Oklahoma and Texas A&M. That's stupid. They're not. Those guys aren't getting fired. But what's the what's the best job on that list? And if there's not a great job, I mean, obviously he would just sit out and just take the cash for now.
0: Yeah, of known jobs, I would say Nebraska is probably the one he feels like the best fit for, just because you look at what he did at Baylor, where he came into just an absolute toxic waste zone and three years later had them in the Sugar Bowl. It's also worth noting, though, Steve, Matt Rule has never beaten a ranked team. At, in six years as a college head coach, he never beat a single ranked team. So it's not like it's a given that he's going to make your program amazing. He did nice jobs at two places that were really hard to win in the case of Temple and, and super toxic at Baylor. But, well, again, there's, there's a question here. Because that's one of the things that was hard to understand is what Matt Rule football actually is. You know, it, I don't know, after watching it for two years and change, what it was ever supposed to be on the NFL level. We heard he was going to be this physical guy, and then he brought in Joe Brady, who's this passing guy, and it never really meshed together. So I, I don't know for sure that he's going to be the impact guy some people imagine he is on the college level. But Nebraska is a place that's got some advantages, but also some flaws that make sense. And, I, look, I, I've always believed Arizona State should be so much better than they are. They're probably going to deal with some NCAA crap, but... Somebody sooner or later is going to figure that place out. So, I don't know. If I had to choose between living in Tempe or Lincoln, Nebraska, I think I'd leave Tempe myself. But I don't right. know if he wants to deal with the nonsense that's going to come with that job right now.
2: Last 45 seconds here. Do you know, you, you know, you talk a lot of SEC football. Do you know what, is Jimbo's buyout? I swear to God, I thought, I thought I saw it was like north of $80 million. Do you know what his buyout yeah. is at Texas A&M?
0: After this year, it's $86 million. So $86 yeah, Jimbo, million! $86 are they, they will be angry at Jimbo. They will threaten some things maybe, but Jimbo's not going anywhere. Jimbo doesn't want to go
2: anywhere. Holy cow. Heath, we got to get John Morrill well, as the uh, SEC and the end of the college football season heats up. We definitely want you on again. Thanks for uh, coming out on short notice.
0: Yeah, I love the show, man. Anytime you want me, I'm here for you.
2: There he is. Heath Klein, big fan of the uh, the late night happy hour. Kind of met him that way. Didn't didn't uh, We really didn't know each other, and he, he was listening late night looking for sports talk and would listen. Think, think about what Matt Rule, Matt Rule five years from now, could be one of the greatest college football coaching uh, mystery stories to unfold that we've ever seen. Because he, his next job, like if it was Nebraska, and they're, Nebraska's desperate. Like if I were him, I'd write into the deal, yeah, I want I want $8 million a year, and I want uh, starting uh, year one, I want $60 million as a buyout. And they'd be like, okay. Like he could walk away in four years and have $40 million from I'm not saying he's going to fail at Nebraska, but he could have $40 million from the NFL and like guarantee 20, million. $25 million oh, from yeah. freaking Nebraska. This coaching thing is out of control. Completely out of control with the salaries and the buyouts.
1: That depends on which side you're looking If on. you're on the coaching side, it's pretty <laughs> freaking great. damn
2: good. Come on down to Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football on the way.